I saw the whole deaf and dumb school healed on mats. And I turned around and I saw their teachers crying because they'd lost their job now. Joy is actually a skill. Contentment is actually a skill. These things come out of maturity. I would say to my younger self, there is a life available for more joy and more meaning and more adventure and more satisfaction, but it's a life that you cannot get independently. Guys, welcome back to the Ensons podcast. Uh, we're sitting down this morning with Padre uh, to mine out some wisdom because uh, something that's been coming up for me and, and in my orbit and so therefore I kind of project that onto you sorry but it's sort of what happens over here is this this topic that comes up a lot and that we sort of refer to offhandedly of this conversational intimacy with God hearing God's voice and being able to make decisions throughout the day or large decisions that come a, a few times a year and there's a lot of that undertone and subtext in most of our podcasts and most of the stories that we'll tell and I, I think I've begun to notice more and more that it's a practice that I don't necessarily do all of the time. It feels like I should be. And certainly for there's like some young guys in my world that I can think of who I think would attend a boot camp and hear all of this and, and kind of go, okay, so it is possible. Like you do speak to us and scriptures have that all over the place. But I have no idea how he's supposed to speak to me. I, I I think I know, but like, is it always this and is it always that? And there's just this place of learning, we'll say. Um, it feels like this open field where you can kind of just wander across and you're told to get to the other side. And uh, like, I want the instruction of, okay, well, how, do, how do we begin building this? What are some things that we can offer uh, to myself and to our listeners and friends out there of like, hey, this is something that regardless of wherever you are in your maturity, it's a skill that I want to be strengthening and we all need to be exercising. Totally. Let, let me start with a story and a couple thoughts. 19, oh gosh, what is it? 78, I'm in my 68 Volkswagen square back with my buddy Kevin Harness, my dog, Joshua, which was sort of like a Malamute kind of a breed. We are headed from Southern California to Montana, and we are somewhere outside Jackson, Wyoming, and down this dirt road because somebody had given us a tip in a grocery store that there was a great place to fish down this, you know, Forest Service road. And we are way out in the middle of nowhere, and I look down, and my gas gauge is about to hit empty. And just all that stuff that you're immediately, you know, fear condemnation, self-reproach. I'm such an idiot. I told myself, get gas in Jackson, right? And now you didn't, and now you're screwed, right? That's it. Um, but I had just become a Christian. Uh, and I I knew that God was there, and, and I I had Jesus now in my life. And, and so the thought comes to me, I'm like, whoa, wait a second, I've got God, you know? So we're out in the middle of nowhere. We're out of gas. And I'm like, Jesus, what do I do? And internally, inside, not an audible voice, but just kind of in my heart, I sensed a reply. And the reply was, I'll bring you gas. 
Now, the cool thing is I hadn't been churched. I hadn't gone through any religious experience whatsoever. I was a total non-churched person, you know, 18 years. So I didn't have any barriers of, you know, theological objections that God doesn't speak. I didn't have, I'm just like, hey, I need help. And he says, I'll bring you gas. And I'm like, cool. So we just left the car sitting there. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Great. And now I have no internal qualms whatsoever. Well, the, the, the beauty of that story is it, sometimes when you don't know the barriers and the obstacles, there's just an openness to stuff happening, right? And anyway, a busload of hippies pull up and they want our campsite. And I'm like, I'm sorry, man, we can't move our car. We're out of gas. And they're like, oh, man, we'll bring you gas. And so I'm like, wow, this hearing thing. And then the reason I'm telling the story is you would think that that would have solidified some phenomenal, intimate conversational relationship with God from thenceforward. I think the next time I heard the voice of God was 20 years later. I don't know why. I don't know why we walk away from from this and from this treasure. But in my situation, I you know then got into a, a church context that that was great. They were awesome, awesome people. Really focused on Bible study, but nobody talked about it. Nobody taught on it. Nobody gave the basics of like here's how it's done. So I just sort of left as a category until years later. I think if we could begin a helpful conversation, I would say. The number one thing is get the pressure off. The single most helpful thing of like practicing, learning, attempting to hear the voice of God is to get the drama out. I can't hear during drama. I can't hear during pressure. I can't hear during crisis. Like, and it's very much like any human relationship. You know, if you had a friend and every conversation with that friend was intense and you just knew every single time this is going to be big, right? They've got something they want to bring up about your life. I would stop hanging out with that person. You would not look forward to it, right? Yeah, it just makes me think of got a buddy who happens to hear the voice of God with what looks like incredible ease, but he and I were coming back from driving across the state at night, and there were these two routes, and we were coming up on sort of the picker route, and I was like, quick, front way or back way? And he, the passenger seat just goes, nope. <laughs> and it was like, oh, you know that skill too of... When the thing is bearing down, trying to immediately discern is only going to produce difficulty, which is only going to jeopardize sort of your your feelings about how easy God is to hear. Yeah. It, it's, it's why guys go to the batting cages, right? You want to hit the ball during the game. You don't wait till the game to take a swing, right? You go to where there's no pressure and there's no game and nobody's watching and nothing is on the line. And you just go down and start, start swinging at balls, right? It, it, it's, you know, it's, it's why bow hunters practice in their backyard all summer long, just thwack, thwack, thwack at a target because there's no pressure and there's nothing on the line and it isn't the moment, right? So here's what I want to suggest. I want to suggest let's take... I need to hear the voice of God for direction completely off the table because that is a super pressure-filled scenario. And that's the scenario most people wait for, right? I got a big decision to make. You know, do I, do I accept this job? Do I apply to this place? You know, is this the girl? 
Right? All the people that are disappointed right now because <laughs> that is exactly what they want to know how to do. Well, you got to go to the cages first. You got to take some swings, right? You, you, you have to go to the climbing gym before you go out and try something in Yosemite, right? Or Smith Rock or, you know, wherever. So I just think it would be kind and helpful to say, you know, let's take that whole category of I need God to tell me you know, fill in the blank. Is this the job? Is this the girl? Should I move? You know, should I join the army? Should I go to grad school? I think he will speak into those things, but I think starting there is really unkind. That's really good. It reminds me of the conversations we were having around killing lions of like, I am often after the roadmap. I'm after, yes, the answer to this question for direction and also kind of like the next Mm, four to 14 steps so that I can like be done with this conversation that I'm having and go do these things. And rather than it being like this, I don't know, it feels like false start sometimes when I'm like asking for this one and then okay, I get through that. And then I got to ask him about the next one and I get through that. Um, and it is actually kind of nice right now in this context to shelve that because that's a whole nother conversation that ends up being, entirely focused on like, well, are you open to a relationship and you don't get the roadmap and like all those things are like are very true and helpful. And yet I think you're even right now revealing that that is one of the aspects of hearing the voice of God. And I think sometimes I think of it as like the aspect hearing answers that like the magic eight ball in the sky, which is a crappy thing to realize. And it's just full of pressure. It's just full of pressure. Right. I, I think God does want to. Of course, he wants to speak into those things. He wants to speak into work and romance and future. But I, I not as a rule. You don't want every conversation you have with your friend to be a freaking intense one. Right. And so, I, I like you said, I just don't want to hang around those people. Um, so what what I would suggest is that we start with categories that aren't filled with pressure. Right, that that you ask questions outside of immediate, you know, urgent crises, and 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 you cultivate, you practice. Like anything, it's like learning to play an instrument. You know, you, at first, it's it's pretty simple stuff, right? Every good boy does fine, and and it's it's learning to pluck the strings or learning to you know get your hand on the keyboard. It's very basic stuff, right? Example? Well, so I would change the categories to unexpected blessings, unexpected goodness. Because this, this is a wonderful category to begin to listen in and a surprising one and easy to hear because you don't have anything on the line. You don't have a, you don't have a dog in the fight. You don't have a horse in the race. For example, I have a deer tag in my pocket. I, it, it's it's uh, rifle season here in Colorado, and, and I happen to have drawn a, a deer tag. I don't have time for that. I just, are you kidding me? I got a book to write, leaving town next week. We've got some big meetings going on. But I paused and, and said, God, should I go out to the woods this weekend? And he's like, oh, yeah, you should totally go. Now, you have to understand, I wasn't planning on going. It wasn't in my thing. It was somehow easier to hear that. It's like, really? 
You want me to go to the woods? Yeah, I do. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, how much I need that. What a, what a rescue, total. I think he has all kinds of those things for us. So I would just start with categories like that and, and just, and, and, and let's take that and then build on it and just say, it's a non-pressure filled thing. And it's delightful to realize that the things that God might say to you, uh, you know, just unexpected little, little joys, you know, yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta go check that taco shop out. What? Yeah, tonight, you gotta go check it. And you end up going down there and it ends up being great. And you're like, wow, it isn't having the intense conversation with the friend every single time. It's not, you know, drama and weight. And it's the lighthearted conversation that you want to have with most of your friends. Yeah, it's funny. It just makes me think of how with most of my friends, the classic stories aren't, I should up in the middle of their night in desperate need of counsel, like, the stories on which the relationship is built are the super casual, the way they respond to things, casual invitations. It's Luke and I on a road trip and it's he insisting that we pull over in this weird town to find this ice cream place. It's the, it's the casual yes. stuff. And I find that in my relationship with God, those are the stories that end up getting told the most. I don't tell the stories about trying to hear if I was going to marry Emily all that often. I tell stories a lot of time about trying to get Jesus to help me cheat on a test and him responding with just a simple like, oh, this doesn't seem fair. And it was like, <laughs> there was just space for his personality because I actually didn't care what happened on the text. Yeah. The test. I just wanted to see if he would tell me what the answer was. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what I mean is here, here's just a simple, here's a simple try. Uh, God, what do you have for me this week? Or what do you have for me this weekend? Father, what, do, what are we doing? And, and he might say, you know, I go for a run. And you go, oh, wow, I love running. I haven't run for three weeks, you know? Or he might say, get your bike out. And you go, oh, my bike? What? It doesn't seem like a good time for that. And then you end up going and it ends up being wonderful. And Now, l- let's pause because I think it would be helpful to say, what are we talking about? We're not talking about the audible voice of God, like you are hearing us right now, Blaine and, and Sam and I, not audibly, it's an internal thing. And, and let me give you a quick, another one of the quick little help things. So drama doesn't help and God doesn't like to shout. He just doesn't, he doesn't like to shout. Don't make him shout. You, you do gotta get quiet, you do. Uh, and that's one of the great things about it. You know, if, if, if there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of internal noise I can't hear, he doesn't like to shout. It's internal and, and it's usually pretty quiet, right? It's, it's not a shout inside. He's not trying to scream at you, right? He's just trying to talk to you. So we're talking about an internal voice. We're talking about something that might confirm your, your deepest heart, but often is surprising to you. And I would start with simple questions. I would start with simple, even yes and no questions. I, I've had some weird physical things going on with me in, in the last month. And I'm 58. My body's, you know, not the body of a, of a 22-year-old anymore. And, and immediately speculation comes in. You know, do I have pancreatitis? Do I, do I have appendicitis? You know, should I go to the ER? 
drama, urgency, right? I can't hear during that stuff, right? It has to be, I don't, and God doesn't like to shout. So I'm trying to ask him questions like, am I dying? You know, and <laughs> he doesn't answer, right? And it's not because I don't hear the voice of God. It's just because that's not helpful. Those kinds of questions aren't helpful and those kinds of contexts aren't helpful. We're looking for a quiet voice inside and we're going to start with simpler questions, right? E- easier questions um, to answer. And it is like practice. It is like music. It is like the batting cages. You know, you, you kind of just give yourself some room to like get the hang of it. Hmm. Okay, so something that is striking me in this is that the smaller questions are actually somehow more difficult because they're going to reveal your heart towards God or what you think his heart towards you is. And the big questions are kind of yes or no questions, and you don't actually have to interact with the person, with how you feel towards them, with how you think they feel towards you. And if something goes wrong in the choice that you made, you can kind of go like, well, I thought God told me to do this. Like, what the heck, where are you now? Type response. Whereas in those smaller ones where you, a prayer that I've prayed uh, with some frequency this last year or, and two um, is like, God, would you father us today, whoever I'm with, or father me today, and like reveal some things, whether that's playful invitations to like, mm-hmm. just slow down, sit outside, mm-hmm. play with the earthworms, mm-hmm. or if it's something like, hey, son, your, your radiator did break. Like, let's try and fix this. Like, it's not always like just smooth and the lazy river. Sometimes that invitation is like an invitation to be disrupted. Yep. But what I'm aware of is those smaller questions are actually sometimes more difficult because you, you do have to contend with, well, what do you actually think about God? How do you think he's been like in your family and in your life recently? What do you think he thinks about you? Like if you feel totally ashamed, it's easier to be like, God, should I do this or this? And then I'm going to get out of your way. I'm going to get out of your hair. I'm not going to take up any more of your time. But if it's um, like, what do you have for me this evening? That is actually a smaller question, but closer to your heart and his heart and therefore somehow more vulnerable. Oh, yeah. And that's why it's so good. Like this, this one thing practicing, learning, seeking to hear the voice of God, it's just going to do so many other good things in your life like that. So as I was taking some notes on this, getting ready for the podcast, I felt I felt like where he first took me was actually to, well, what's in the way? What's in the way of you hearing the voice of God? Scripture actually seems to think that it's supposed to be a, a fairly common experience for people. Uh, it's not meant to be once in a lifetime, not once in a decade, right? It's meant it's meant to be more available to us than that. So what's in the way? I felt like that was that was a helpful thing. What do you guys think is in the way in a young man's life? What was in the way in yours? So I go right to a couple. One is unaddressed disappointment and just the accumulation of difficult stories that aren't being regularly addressed by God. I'm not super open to hearing the voice of someone I'm super mad at. There you go. If there's a conversation to be had and someone walks in and wants to chat and I'm going, we can't chat right now. We need to talk about, we need to talk about some stuff. Yeah. And 
at this point, I've learned to be a little more playful about it or to, because it is funny the number of times that, you know, I'll go to, I'm in the, I'm in the hardware store. I can't remember what, what size the bracket was and I'm going, you know, which, what is it? And then the first internal voice that comes up is my internal voice. He goes, you don't love me. And I'm like, oh, oh dang it. Okay. Well, let's start there. Yes. With what, yes. What, why do you think that? Where did that come? So that you can get to the point where yeah. you can actually get some practical help. Yeah. Yeah. Can we just name God doesn't speak to me? Right? Oh, as like a, it's something you believe internally? Something that's I don't, in the I way. I hear the voice of God. God yeah. doesn't speak to something me. Something that's in the way. Totally. Yeah. And, and that would be in the way? Right. And here's a way that I've experienced that. Um, the This could be a personality thing, but I think it's also a, a thing that gets in the way for men is this comparison. And so I don't hear like... So-and-so. John Eldridge hears. Yeah. Or I don't hear like my mentor hears. Or I don't hear... like it Just even that can make it feel like you you don't have the radio. Everybody else has, has like... Like every, all the tools they need, right. and all you have is like a telephone, old handset that just ends in a cable, and like that you're not going to hear anything because of the comparison of other people, right? Yeah. And so it's like a different way that, well, I don't hear what they hear, yeah. therefore I don't hear at all. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So just naming a couple things that are in the way, right? And um, you don't speak to me. I don't hear. I don't hear like so and so. Um, and if you recognize some of that stuff, uh, gang, you, you probably want to break agreements with it. You probably want to d- just do your best to set that aside for now, because of course that's going to be in the way. It's going to make it really hard to hear from God if you doesn't if you don't think He speaks to you, or you think you don't have the radio, or you know, or that kind of thing. I was just thinking back to to my life as a young man. There is a built-in independence in young men, which is partly really good. You are in that phase of life of becoming your own person, disentangling, you know, from family relationships and and perhaps, you know, what your church life was like as a child and moving, you know, new new careers, new cities. Yep, that's all good. Like it, it, it is a growing decade in the 20s, especially of of independence, but there is this thing in us that doesn't want to ask, right? So let's just be honest about that. We're not asking. <laughs> we're not. We're not even at the cages here. We're not taking a swing. We're. We aren't even interested, right? Until the crisis. Until the, you know. Oh my gosh! I got to figure out what to do tomorrow with this. And then it's just, it's just brutal. That's totally not going to happen. It's really hard for. It's hard for God to get through to you in that. Well, I think about your story that you shared at the beginning with the gas, like how many young men would go, okay, God, like, what do I do now? I think myself included, many of us would be like, I got to figure this out. Like, where's, is there a service station in the park? Like if I flip a you now and we kind of coast mm-hmm. downhill, I'd be like, maybe I can make this work. Like I, I can fix this. And then when everything has gone possibly wrong, I'd be like, Dang it, God! Why you do this to me? <laughs> like that would just be yeah. like that independence yeah. thing. I would yeah. not turn. Yeah. So this is where you have to start. This the, this is where the action is. Okay. The the conversation is between two people. It's between two hearts. 
And so if there's something in your heart, back to Blaine's story, you know, you don't really love me, God, you're, you're actually going to have to start there. And, and I actually find that to be a wonderful question to ask him. Do you love me, God? Do I matter to you? And, and then, gang, another little tip in here, for God's sake, give it some breathing room. What, what we typically we mean by asking God a question is seven seconds, maybe less. We give him to answer, right? Do you love me, God? 1,001, 1,002. See? I knew I was alone. See? He doesn't speak to me, you know, and then we leave. You, you got to give this some space. You, you've got to give this some room. And I, I'd say, like, in the moment, give it some space. But what I mean is give it a day, gang. Give it a day or two, right? Like, this is the thing about untangle the urgency and get out of the drama, get out of the pressure. A young man that I was uh, talking to the other day was really struggling with this very thing. What do I mean to you, God? And I said, well, just ask him. Ask him and then give him a week to show you in some different ways. Give him, give him some time, right? Over time, yes. That this is this is something you grow in, it's something you get better at, just like playing an instrument or driving a car, learning to ride a mountain bike, you know, uh, learning to handle a handgun. It, you get better over time, right? You get you get better at it. You will be able to hear in high-need situations, yes, you will be able to hear often in the moment when you need to, but my goodness, give this some breathing room. Don't make him shout, right? Give it some breathing room. What do I mean to you, God? Or back to that, what do you have for me this week? What do you have for me this weekend, Father? Just simple stuff. Do you love me? You know, that's one that he loves to answer. And the thing is, you know that the answer is yes, because Scripture tells you to. Scripture is the baseline here. Um, you know, if you say, oh, I heard God say I was supposed to, you know, have an affair with my secretary. It wasn't the voice of God, okay? We have the baseline of Scripture, and he speaks through Scripture. Um, and you know the answer to do you love me is yes, absolutely, immeasurably, more than you could possibly know in this life. Maybe not even fathom it fully in the life to come, but the answer is yes. And so if you hear no then you know you've tapped into your own internal stuff or the evil one, right? So um, so some more things. What, what, what helped you in your journey of learning to hear the voice of God? What were, what were the helpful things? Yeah, so one for me would be that I, I think I gave God permission to speak in a variety of ways. Sometimes that's huge. That that's was, huge. <laughs> that's huge. Sometimes it was internal. Sometimes it was that like little nudge, and sometimes like I'd be sitting. I, I, a very clear picture in my head. There's this. It's road that runs above the college I went to, and you, looking out over the ocean and over the town. And I'm sitting up there by myself, and I ask questions up there. And sometimes the answer would come with like a hawk dive bombing over my head and flying over, and then just coasting and like. God would speak through nature yep. or, I mean, he'd speak through songs, he'd speak through other things. And I gave him permission to speak. And the thing is, is it wasn't like he was going to begin speaking in Mandarin. Like if only I knew these other languages that then I could uh, decipher him. Like he was going to speak to me personally in ways that I could see and interpret and kind of like just with the hawk go, 
Like there was delight, there's adventure, there's I mean, there was an answer that was very specific and that meant something to me in that moment rather than something that was like, I need a Rosetta Stone to interpret what you're trying to say to me through this blue whale or, or whatever. Yeah, I love that. So I that love was that. for me. Okay, so gang, you just heard us say God speaks in all kinds of ways, right? And he loves to speak in ways that are very particular to you. He knows your sense of humor. Uh, he he knows... Oh, 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 wait, pause on the sense of humor thing. Okay, for like three weeks, every time I got in the car, it was the same pop song that came on the radio no matter what time of day, no matter what station I jumped to, and I did not like this song. <laughs> This song, Ter- song was an annoying song, <laughs> but then it became like a running joke. Like it became exactly. humor, and I would get in the car and turn it on, and it would it would start playing, and I would just bust up laughing. And I'm like, God, you are hysterical. Exactly, exactly. I was in a I was in a t- period uh, in my twenties where I was really wrestling with a lot of guilt. I felt under a lot of condemnation, bad choices, bad lifestyle, wrecked a lot of relationships. I just couldn't hear God. I couldn't hear God if he'd have been standing in the room, right? Jesus Christ personally incarnate. So here's what he does. I'm, I'm praying, I'm driving down the road, and I swear to you, this semi pulls in front of me. I mean, we're talking the entire panel of the trailer of a semi, and all that is written across it is the word grace. It, 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 was, it was kind, it was loving, it was the only way I could possibly hear, and it was also funny. It was playful, right? Of like, grace, John, I'm going to get in your way, and I'm going to put this billboard in front of you of grace. I think a few things that come to mind— One is kind of being ready to, or being willing to break the same agreements over and over. And it was just kind of this, you know what, that seems to be a normal part of everybody's life who has a great life with God that I know. So I'm just going to shift my thinking on that such that if every listening time is going to involve some form of renouncing and breaking agreement with, I don't hear the voice of God, fine, that's going to be normal. I reject shame. Totally. I reject fear, right? Things that are in that moment. Totally. And I think, you know, it's true that I want the top of the mountain. You know, we did a podcast with Bart Gavigan, who talks about his chatty relationship with God. And it's the relationship with God everybody wants where... Oh, that was a killer podcast. He's, you know, he's talking with someone and then... Jesus shows up and, hey, Bart, and, he, you know, his internal goes, oh, no. He goes, yes, what is it? Because do you see that man over there? He's like, yes. Um, you know, and but you just go, oh, man, that would be phenomenal. That's the top of the mountain. And I think one key thing was, uh, what are things that actually just help me to love God? Yeah. Because then I'm way, way more open to actually experiencing him, to actually having him speak. And so things that built my love relationship with God were, you know, all the common categories of beauty and worship and spending time with people that really loved God, sort of catch the essence of what they were looking at. Yeah. And then letting him, not verbally, but letting like the promptings that I was sensitive to invite me into other ways of him wanting to hang out. Like, yeah. Him wanting to like do something dumb, like 
turn on the country music station, but the songs are going to be about your friendship with God for a while. And that's kosher and awesome. And it's going to, you know, the more that the love is actually building for this person, Mm -hmm. the more space there is for some longer silences when I ask questions, Mm -hmm. the longer I'm willing to wait. The concept of it builds confidence in the speaker. That's super good. So let me give you one thing that'll really help you with that, gang. It's God is the creator of everything you love. You love biking? He's totally in it. You love the mountains? Yep, that was his idea. You love music? Yep, that he does too. Like, this is very personal and very quirky to you. God is the creator of everything you love. And as you begin to let your heart open up to that idea, you're like, oh, holy cow, well, then this is somebody I can enjoy. Wait a second. Whoa, his heart toward me is good. All these things in my life that, that bring me particular joy, right? Whatever it is, you know, racing dirt bikes. Yep, that, that desire, passion, skill. Yep, that's God. And, and letting him in, right, so that you realize his heart, his heart is actually really, really, really good. And you love the same things. Whoa, we love the same things? You're kidding me. I, th- I, th- I don't know. I thought he was about other things. But we love the same things? Wow, then that opens up friendship and relationship, right? I feel like we'd be irresponsible if we didn't, if we didn't give a couple of, like, basics. Let me just lay out a couple of the basics. So the very first thing is you got to get quiet. I mean, externally and internally. So e- even at work, even at work here, when when a big decision's going on, I I will try and leave the room. I I'll try and go into my office or or go in, go into a closet if necessary. Get quiet. You got to get quiet for a couple reasons. One, I can't hear when I'm distracted, and a million things are buzzing. And also that thing of he doesn't like to shout. He just doesn't like to shout. And so, get quiet. And get quiet externally, get quiet internally. And when you first begin to kind of practice listening for that internal voice of God, you're going to discover that it is really noisy in there. (laughs) There is a carnival. Frick, man, it's unbelievable how I'll sit down. I was on the hill the other day. It was honestly just 20 minutes. It was just a break. It was a pause in my day. And I'm like, oh, awesome. I get some time with God. And the number of things that went through my mind in 60 seconds, guilt over an email I shouldn't have sent, panic over an email I should have sent, <gasps> the fact that I didn't take the laundry out of the wash last night and now it smells like mildew. Like, it, it just, you're going to need to get quiet. And, and the beautiful thing is you're going to learn to just set all that aside. Just get quiet inside. Practicing getting quiet inside is a wonderful thing. Okay, so that's the first thing. Second thing is, Ask small questions. Ask simple questions. Yes, you can grow to the point where you can ask the, is this the girl I'm supposed to marry? Is this the job I'm supposed to have? Of course God wants to speak into that. But not at first and not as the norm. Ask small questions, right? Do you love me, Father? Are we good? Uh, do you want me to spend the weekend with my folks? Um you know, is is now a good time for me to take a ride, whatever, small questions, okay? And then, third thing, so get quiet, ask simple questions, and then give it some space. 
even in that moment, like don't don't demand, expect, put pressure on. You're going to hear within three seconds. You know, it, it. Give it a few minutes. Just be quiet. Just enjoy the moment that you're just being still for a little bit. If it's a big decision, please give it longer than that. Give it a day. Give it a week. You've mentioned in the past too, Dad, that sometimes God isn't interested in answering some of your questions, <laughs> and that it, like you want to give him the space for that, and then also ask the question of. You know, are you wanting to speak to this right now, or is there something else you want to speak to? That's so good. Yeah, I totally forgot that. No, that's that's awesome. If you are finding that God is not speaking to the question you're asking, ask him the question you're supposed to be asking, because he will so often do that. He'll he'll use you know the crisis at work to get us into the quiet space because we need to hear from him. But once we're there, he'll say, "Yeah, that's not the issue, actually." You know, and then and then you ask, you go, okay, you're not talking to me about this. I'm not hearing anything. Uh, what do you want to talk to me about? What is the issue at hand? And then he, he'll completely he'll completely change it. He might bring it back to you feel rejected by me, or you have some pretty big disappointments with me. Or he might bring it to something completely else. He might say, you know what? I want you to go deer hunting this weekend. You're like, I am not asking you about that. But in his kindness, he knows what you need to hear. He knows what you need to hear. And actually, his silence, I, I've really come to see, especially on the future, um, his silence on the future is often enormous kindness. That there's just things that right now wouldn't be helpful for you to know. It just wouldn't be helpful. So then you pause and you go, okay, Lord, I'm going to release this to you right now. Another simple tip, be open to whatever he has to say. If you have an agenda, can I buy the motorcycle, right? God, can I buy the motorcycle? Can I buy the mountain bike? Can I, you know, can I buy this new video game? Can I, you know? And you know that in your heart, all you can hear is yes. You're not going to hear from God. Not because he doesn't want to speak, but because the door is already closed. And the, the sad thing about that is, if you do hear yes, you won't trust it. That's the bummer. Like he says, of course I want you to buy the bike, you know. You won't trust, you're going to go, see, that's just me. I'm just filling in the blanks. That wasn't God. But if you're really in a place of openness, of like, no, you can say yes or no. Really, I'm, I'm open. You can, you can say that. I, one, that continues to do wonderful things inside you, right? Surrender, openness, releasing, not having an internal agenda. But also it lets you trust his answer when the answer is yes. Like, yeah, I want you to take that trip. Yeah, I want you to date this girl. You're like, oh, thank you. I did hear from you because I really was open to you saying no, right? That's super helpful. I feel like it's certainly true for M and I that we've learned the significance in certain areas of the not answer. And the one in particular that happens a lot is we'll have an open evening and we'll you know, ask, hey, should we have this couple over for dinner? And we'll encounter a very intentional silence and we'll go, <laughs> oh, it, something happened. What is it? And we've actually learned that we're like, oh, sometime tonight we're going to get the text. We're going to feel our heart go some other direction. There's some invitation somewhere else. Like in that space, it's actually become part of the conversation where we go, oh, wait, this always happens when there's something else that he has for this time slot or something is going to happen. And we're like, yeah, okay, well, we will learn in the next 
six hours. Yes. What question we could have been asking what right that now, was about. We, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, just a big one. Um, and, and maybe it's the final one for now. On big questions, get confirmation, please. Like, you know, is this the girl you want me to marry? And you hear yes. I, I hope that you're also asking, would you confirm that through my folks, my friends, my pastor? Would you, you know, like get confirmation on the big stuff? I, it's It's really important that you do because... You want confirmation. You want assurance that you have heard on on major major decisions, and so a playful story on that. Several years ago now, quite a few years, uh, I had the opportunity to go to Patagonia, and it had been a lifelong dream. It, it was totally on my A list of of dreams, but I never thought it would happen. I wanted to go fly fishing down there because in the winter here in Colorado, I mean, you can fish, but you got to be pretty committed ice and you know your ice in your rod and ice on your fingers and it's you know cold and it's actually not super kind to the fish to do that to them in the winter but anyhow you go to Patagonia it's summertime so I really wanted to go wasn't sure that I should go and um, it came down to the final 24 hours and I I had the airline tickets on hold and um, I felt like I was in it. Stace felt like I was in it, but I really needed confirmation. And it's good to ask. Ask for confirmation. He understands your need for that. And so I, I said, God, I need to, I need to, I need three confirmation because this is thousands of dollars, right? This is a big deal, and I just wasn't sure. And so I said, I need three confirmations. I really need you to confirm this in three ways. And it's about two p.m. And the next morning, I have to pull the trigger. Okay, so he's got a he's got about eight hours. First thing that happens is I'm working in my home office, and I look down, and there's a Nalgene sitting on the office floor that's not mine. Now I finally put the story together that Morgan had been over the day before and left his Nalgene there, and I hadn't noticed it till this moment. I'm like, huh? Somebody's left their Nalgene. That's weird. Somebody's Nalgene. I pick it up, and there's a sticker on it, and the only sticker on it is Patagonia you know, the clothing and gear company. So I just laughed and I'm like, okay, that's one. I need two more. I'm not basing this decision on a Nalgene sticker, you know, <laughs> like I, I need more than that. Okay. A couple hours later, I get an email. I hit, I had emailed uh, an older guy uh, whose counsel I trust and uh, who had been to Patagonia and, and just said, Hey, what was your experience? Was it good? Was it bad? You know, give me your thoughts on this. And he, that was weeks ago. And today, on the day, he emails back and he's like, oh, it was incredible. It was one of the, you know, I look back on it as one of the most memorable things I've done. And so I'm like, okay, that's two. Click, you know, tick, 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 5 p.m., 6 p.m., 7 p.m. It's now bedtime. I'm like, ah, oh, dang, see? And then all that stuff. You don't speak to me. I suck at this. I can't hear from God. I'm sorry I put this pressure on you, but I really need to hear. And, you know, break agreements with all that and just go, I, I really... I really wanted one more. I need to take a constitutional and I am in the bathroom sitting on the can and I look down and the tag on my underwear is looking back up at me and it says Patagonia. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, you are talking to me through my underwear. You wear some fancy underwear, man. <laughs> you know what? REI had a killer sale on those. I, I, I bought three pairs and I've had them for years. Uh, but 
playfulness, kindness, speaking in a multitude of ways, and please seek confirmation on big stuff. It, it really is important that you do because he loves to speak. He speaks in a ton of ways. What we want to develop, what we want to get to is the place where we're used to hearing him. We recognize his voice in our hearts. Mm-hmm. His voice is never condemning. Romans 8.1, it'll never sound condemning. It might be disruptive, right? Uh, but it is always, always in the context of love. <laughs> 